2: Insider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel 94 Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show.
0: It's Friday, everyone, and you know what that means. TGIF, welcome in to a brand new episode of the Jake and Josh Show, SB Nation's official podcast for the Miami Dolphins. This is Sider Radio. Lots to talk about about the Raiders game this weekend, but before we get into that, I want to introduce you to Jake. Jake, how's it going today, man? I know you've been playing a lot of Diablo too. How has your morning been, and are you ready to talk about Dolphins
2: football? Josh, it feels like 2004 all over again uh been playing some Diablo 2 sadly I'm not playing on the computer so that's real where the real disappointment comes in but hey before we get into the that Josh I want you to mark down on your calendar September 24th 2021 so you can show your kids the show that you sounded the oldest you possibly could by actually saying TGIS I just want you to write that down and make it known that you can show your kids uh how old you sound sometimes
0: yeah, I, I think they see the white hairs in my beard. I think I even got some in the in the hair. So they definitely know their dad's old. But I think I actually said it before. So I'm I'm getting way up there in age, man. Uh, how's the Diablo, Diablo two been going? You you've been grinding. You've been doing some work there.
2: A lot of grinding, a lot of grinding. That's kind of what it is. A dungeon crawler. I mean, uh, it's just kind of one of those games you can even like podcast. No idea. With, with I it's love always it. Always fun. Yeah, it is definitely a, a very unique uh, one. That is for sure, Josh. Before we get into our Dolphins and Raiders conversation. We spent the whole last week crying about it, crying and then laughing about it, and talking about that loss to Buffalo and where the season's really going to go uh, from there. Tua, if he stayed in, Dolphins go to 2-0. and This team is, there's no doubts, there's no issues, you're on cloud nine. But just the way everything developed, Tua playing what? I think it was four plays, four snap, nine snaps, I think it was actually. I don't know why I keep saying four. Leaves the game. The Dolphins don't score a point. And then, Josh, we have another Pro Football Talk report today. Uh, Why don't you tell me about it?
0: Yes, Jake. I hate that this is how we have to start this podcast, but it's kind of the elephant in the room, and it's been that way. You know, throughout this entire offseason, we kind of tiptoed around it, but now you're starting to hear more things. Earlier today, Pro Football Talk, again, take them with a grain of salt, because it does seem like Mike Florio has a little bit of an agenda here, but he came out and he said, should Stephen Ross do the deal he wants for Deshaun Watson? In there said, you know, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross wants Deshaun Watson, even with the 22 civil lawsuits, alleging sexual misconduct and 10 criminal complaints. Ross wants Watson and Ross is not happy. We're told that word has trickled out regarding his desire to land Watson. So we don't know who truly wants to Watson, but I mean, this has been the looming cloud throughout this entire offseason, Jake. And I just kind of wanted to ask you, um, you know, would this be the right move for the dolphins? I mean, you're looking at this roster. We're looking at the offensive line. We're looking at all the misses they had in the first round. So maybe those picks aren't as valuable as we think, but when you look at the different pieces they would have to bring in to sure up that offensive line. When you look at, you know, the draft capital, they invested in Tua Tungvaluwa, how he's looked when he started. I mean, to me, it's a little bit crazy that we're sitting here in week three and, you know, this is the breaking case of emergency here. And I just don't know your thoughts on it because as far as I'm concerned, when Tua Tungvaluwa is healthy, when he's out there playing, I mean, You know, when he has the time, he's looked like a pretty damn good quarterback, at least, you know, for a Dolphins team who has looked for what, 20, 30 years for the next Dan Marino. What we saw in Tuatonga Valola has looked pretty damn well. I just wish, you know, we'd give him a little bit more time, maybe not just
2: settling though. You're like saying, well, he kind of looked okay. And comparing that to someone like Deshaun Watson, who is a solidified, like top five quarterback who played very well with a poor offensive line. And then we're kind of saying, like, I I understand the two argument and I, like to stick with Tua, but at the same time, you know, you can say uh Josh Rosen, he was, you know, used for a year and then kind of dumped off. I mean, they upgraded to Kyler Murray and you, you have to say that I mean I think a team like the Cardinals is happy with that move.
0: And I think, you know, the biggest thing here, and again, it's something that we can't even talk about is the legal situation. I mean, we yeah. talked about it. If you're sitting here comparing apples to oranges, I mean, Deshaun Watts is a top five quarterback, period. You know, he doesn't have to play a down a football for a few more years and people would still have him up there as the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league based on his age and how he's performed. So I think you're right, you know, Maybe he is more, maybe Tua is more of a Josh Rosen, and this would be that upgrade to a Kyler Murray, but when you have 23 counts of, you know, sexual misconduct and all that that stuff hanging over, it changes everything. So uh, I guess that's where I take a step back and say, okay, you thought Tua was your guy. You thought you could build this offensive line. You could build this offense around him and have success. What makes you think you can't do that? Why are you now all of a sudden, you know, worried that you have to get a Sean Watson to save the season? Because that's exactly what it would be. If they make this trade now, despite all the legal issues, despite all that, you know, they'd have to go up two, three first round picks, whatever it might be, you're basically saying, you know, two is not the guy we need Deshaun Sean Watson to come in here and say this season, because if he doesn't come in here and do that, you know, Chris Greer's out, maybe Brian Flores is out. So um, I, I hate that again. We had to start out this podcast talking about this and then I'm dancing around it because, you know, if he didn't have those legal issues pending, I mean, we would all sit here and say Deshaun Watson would be the answer. And, you know, we'd feel pretty good about that.
2: Josh I'm, I'm a little confused you mean like saving the season but I, I, this is just such a franchise altering move I don't think it like I, it's like it's being approached to as like a band-aid where making this move will change the trajectory of the team uh forever I mean that's just kind of how it operates especially uh where we were saying last week we were hoping this team kind of took more of those big swings at the fences again this is all speculation uh There's always smoke about this, but Josh, I I think you're right where it's important to bring up. It's interesting to talk about, but I still don't think I can really get too deep into anything uh, with with those lawsuits and those civil complaints really going on. So Josh, but one final question I want to ask you. If Deshaun Watson plays a single snap this season, if he puts shoulder pads on for a single game, what percentage chance do you think that it's for the Miami Dolphins? If he had to play strictly for any team or if he plays at all, what are the chances that it's just the Dolphins? I,
0: I mean, I was going to say in my heart of heart, I was going to say 99% chance. I mean, I think if he suits up this year, I do think it'll be for the Dolphins because the Texans, you know, neither of those two sides have interest in figuring that thing out. So I do think, you know, 99% chance. If, if we see Deshaun Watson on the field this year, I think it's for the Dolphins and it breaks my little, it breaks my heart a little bit to say that, but Jake, I think you're right. You know, display all He's these. That's
2: illegal... so upset. It hurts my heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I sat here you here.
0: know, and it's, I am a Dolphins fan. So again, I'm going to ride with the punches, take those blows, but it would be disheartening to, you know, see that quarterback that we all thought could change his franchise, you know, just not getting a true chance at doing that and then going out there and giving up all that draft capital for, again, an uncertainty. And that's why probably why we don't talk about this, because even now we're sitting here going back and forth. It all depends on if Deshaun Watson, you know, is cleared of these allegations and then plays, you know, for the duration of his contract or even his career. Because let's be honest, if you get Deshaun Watson, I mean, he's got 10, you know, 12 years left in the tank. I mean, this dude is young as hell. Again, it's just such a tricky subject. So my heart's breaking that we're even talking about this, Jake. So uh, 99% chance. What about you?
2: I'm going to go 100. I mean, after the Panthers move to 3-0, and I think they're not going to kind of mess with things. Like I said, if, if the Dolphins beat the Bills, if Tua had that crazy performance, I, again, I know he didn't really have a lot of help, but if somehow he did like some insane 360 spin on one of those and completed a first down and willed them down to the field, and I'm not saying he should have done that, but that's kind of the situation you need to be in in order to not have these conversations you need to show you that guy and leave no doubt in order for us not to kind of be like, well, yeah, we'll see here. So and leave it at that. Just, sorry, just a, yeah.
0: I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to Edward scissor hand this, but you know, a lot of this wouldn't have even be a, a topic of conversation. If you know Tua wasn't already hurt this many times early in his career, yep. you know, different things there. So um, again, I hate that we bring this up. I'll do my best to, to chop Suey this. So it sounds okay. But we talked about the elephant in the room. Why don't we jump in to the Raiders matchup this Sunday between the Miami Dolphins? 4:05 kickoff. It's in that beautiful. Um, it almost looks like a spaceship. That new stadium they have there. They do but call
2: it the Death Star. Did they call it the?
0: Oh, damn, that's scary. So we're heading into the Death Star, and <laughs> I'll let you do all the Star Wars references there. But Jake, I, I found this stat interesting. Since getting shut out 27 nothing by the Raiders back in January 2001 in the AFC Divisional Round, the Miami Dolphins have won 10 of their last 12 meeting versus the Raiders, and we all remember last season's epic comeback, 26-25. Fitzmagic magical comeback last year. So um, a, an interesting stat there because they do lead the ser- the all-time series 20-19-01. to 19-01. So uh, these two teams have been back and forth. But to, to hear that the Dolphins have had their number over these last 12 games, um, I, I guess it gives us a little bit of promise heading into this Sunday.
2: Josh, I still remember being in high school. So this must have been like 2009. And it was, I think, like, I think it might have been before or right after Oakland signed Carson Palmer and Derek M- Darren McFadden just torched us. I that, that's kind of one of the only uh, Raider games that really sticks out to me. Uh, but Josh, you mentioned the Fitz magic game last year and you know, we're going to have it happening again where the substitute teacher is going to have to come in and save the day. But before we talk about the offense, Josh, I think the big matchup here is going to be uh, Derek Carr versus this Miami Dolphins secondary. Uh, The big conversation on Twitter this week has been the fact that Carr is trying to get the ball downfield a lot more often than he has in the past. Some people are saying he's more confident with this deep threat trends. And then of course, you know, you start going through their targets on the outside. It starts and ends with Darren Waller. He's the leading guy with 26 targets. That is 10 more than anyone else. He has 170 yards and a touchdown. And then Josh, uh, this was a player that I think people kind of were on both sides of the fence about and that was Henry Ruggs he's doing what everyone kind of wanted him to do is be that burner and he's averaging 22.7 yards per carry so those are kind of like the the one-two punch Oakland Las Vegas it goes going to try to use against the Dolphins how do you see that playing out before we start to get into the uh, nitty-gritty other guys
0: I think you really got to tip your hat to what Derek Carr and this Raiders offense are doing I mean they were kind of the laughing stock heading into this NFL season. You know, a lot of people didn't put much faith in what they were doing. And then that first game, we just saw Darren Waller getting force fed. I, I actually had someone reach out that wanted to get Darren Waller in the trade. And I realized I had Car, I had Darren Waller. There was no reason to do that. You say he's leading the league with 26 targets. He's that monster. And it goes back to, you know, Eric Rowe, just talking about how much that matchup meant to him. And, you know, he talked about it earlier in June. He said, I knew the mistakes I had because right after the game, I was watching film. Like, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? With both of those guys, he's talking about Kittle and Waller, I just got to step my game up. With them, they're not really tight ends. They're just big receivers that can run. I know this year, I know we've got the Raiders in week three back in Vegas. I'm ready for that. I've been waiting for that all year because that one got me. So I need a rematch on that. But just with them, too, you've got to take it one game at a time and raise your game to another level. So I had to bring that up because um, I think that is the Pretty big cool. matchup. Darren Waller versus Eric Rowe. I mean, this is something that he's been thinking about. I think the coaching staff's going to give him every opportunity to go out there and prove that he can be that shutdown tight end. But uh, Darren Waller, I mean, that's a tough task because, I mean, this dude has been insane. 170 yards and a touchdown you have here. And uh, Henry Ruggs, I mean, he was a guy that I don't know about you, Jake. I completely avoided in fantasy leagues. I thought, you know what? OK, you know, this is a guy that's tindering on a bust almost and just what he's doing this year has just been explosive. And when you think about, you know, how badly the dolphins gave a big plays last year to some of those speedy receivers, uh, I'm intrigued to see how the dolphins match up with Henry Ruggs. I mean, who do you line up against Henry Ruggs, Jake?
2: Yeah, I would say Byron Jones over there. And I'd even think about maybe like using Xavier Howard on Darren Waller. I think that could be interesting. So Josh, if, if you had to say right now, you have to assume that Eric Rose, uh, snap count is going to go back up after playing just 26 of so 65 snaps last week.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good assumption. I know you have that written down there. I think, you know, again, this is that game he's marked on his calendar. It's been circled for a long time now.
2: You're 100% right. And, and Josh, we'll go into the other guys here because of that passing offense, despite those two guys being on top, I mean, it's been a kind of consistent attack here. I mean, Hunter Renfro and, and Byron Edwards has combined for 250 yards through two games. And Josh, this is a name that just popped out to me and I have to mention it. Zay Jones. Uh, he's on that receiving uh, depth chart. And I just remember Ian Eagle always just yelling his name as the Bills killed the Dolphins in some random weeks, you know, 14-2016 game that just
0: kills your soul. Do do all fan bases have that, you know, these random players? Because, I mean, we talked about it with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Geno Smith, Thad Lewis, E.J. Manuel, we were naming off guys that most people won't even know existed. Now you're saying Zay yep. Jones. I mean, this just is a testament to the dolphins, but I, I want to go back <laughs> to what you said about Henry Ruggs. I mean, he is that speed demon. And I know Emmanuel Sanders has lost a step, but I keep going back to that play where, you know, Byron Jones tracked him across the field right. and you know, that was a beautiful pass breakup. So I like that. You mentioned that that could be the matchup there. I, Brian Edwards, I think will match up with Xavier Howard, perhaps. And then Hunter Renfro is going to be that slot guy. Do they match him up with Justin Coleman? Do they match him up with Nick Needham? You know, that's the million dollar question here, but uh, it, this, offense you know at the beginning of the year we looked at it oh this was a pretty nice game for the dolphins this is very winnable now you're looking at dan that's two and oh and you know that's just we're just talking about their offense we didn't even get into their defense yet which is just scary as hell so
2: yeah let's let's clean up this uh offense here we'll end it with this that josh jacobs entered practice on thursday uh he was wearing a non-contact jersey and he left pretty quickly while the team was doing warm-ups and went inside of the facility um he never returned to practice and he was listed as he did not practice that day. So that is pretty concerning uh, to say the least, if you're a Las Vegas fan. So that brings up the opportunity. Is it going to be a Kenny and Drake game? And Josh, I have to say, I actually would rather face Kenny Drake compared to Josh Jacobs. I might look like a fool for saying that come Monday, but I just kind of think that the Dolphins have struggled with that ground and pound guy in the past where they have that speed at linebacker now where I think they can kind of cover and keep up with the Kenny Drakes a little more than they could just kind of getting uh, punched down the field by someone like Josh Jacobs, who's going to get the, you know, four yards and a cloud of smoke.
0: Engelheimer-Smith being out of this game is a pretty big blow for them. But, I mean, it goes back to the Zay Jones and some of these other guys, Jake. Yes, Kenyon Drake's more of a household name, but is this not that game that, you know, he's just been waiting to have since he left uh, the Miami Dolphins? And they said, basically, you know, we could do better than you. And, I mean, you're looking at the Dolphins running backs over the last few years. They probably would have been a lot better off maybe with a Kenny Drake. So I'm interested to see the way he's used. I think he's just going to create a whole different problem, you know, out of the backfield. And I think this game, um, in in weeks past, you know, we sat here and said maybe the run defense – isn't ready for this matchup. I've been pretty happy with what we saw out of this run defense over these last few weeks. Besides those big, you know, opening plays, I think they, they let a Singletary bust one off last week. The week prior, they let out a big gain. So after that, they kind of slowed down. So um, I think this matchup is going to be one loss up front. Uh, hopefully the Dolphins continue to bring AVG, Agba, Steel, or some of those other guys. And we get to see Jalen Phillips more involved because I think they got to get that pass rush at Derek Carr because as we've seen throughout these first few weeks, the longer he has time, the easier it is for those, you know, game changing playmaker some of them you know henry ruggs with his speed waller's just a whole different alien so uh, i think you know they got to get pressure on Derek Carr if they want to swing this thing in their favor
1: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com
2: yeah, and two, if you try to sit back, which I know the Dolphins might try to do at times, uh, Carr is someone who can move well enough to use his legs and Very scramble underrated. for those extra yards. Very yeah, underrated. so that's something to keep in mind, too. Uh, so, and Josh, let, let, let's flip it on its head here, real quick. Let's talk about Miami Dolphins' offense. And I think the two biggest storylines are obviously that you have Jake Brisket starting at quarterback, and you have Will Fuller, Miami's fourth highest paid player, returning to the lineup for his first game with the Miami Dolphins. And I felt so like lame say- writing this, and it sounds like such a thing wannabe guys who want to think they sound smart at football are saying, but strictly for me, Josh, I, th- I think the Dolphins just are going to have to run the ball more.
0: Yeah, I mean – it, that's that's just, I mean, everyone's saying it, right? We see uh, Miles Gaston at what, over five yards per carry. I mean, he, he's been successful when they give him the rock. So Jake, yeah, it's the biggest no shit thing. I think we even kind of talked about a little bit on the last podcast, but you know, you want to see more of those heavy sets. You want to see those tight ends protect and you want to run the football and, and let the play action game develop from there. But Will Fuller coming back, I mean, we saw it with Brissett last week. He wasn't scared to, to, you know, show off some of that arm strength he has and to take some of those shots downfield. So um, I am want to say I'm excited. uh,
2: Sorry, you think about his time at the Colts. It was his big games were because T.Y. Hilton went off and and he was able to find T.Y. Hilton. So you can kind of look back at that combo as well.
0: No, that's perfect. I was even gonna bring that up, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to say Will Fuller was the T. Y. Hilton here, if it was Jalen Waddle, and I wanted to use that later with that. Good but point, I mean, it doesn't that. matter. But your your point is he has that arm, he's shown in the past that he can win football games. And I mean, I, I think I remember him eluding pressure and you know hitting T. Y. Hilton on a sideline toe tapper that was just like a beautiful dot. You know, a lot of people were talking about it. so um these are the big storylines. I I I'm tempering my expectations with Will Fuller because you know he hasn't had this whole uh offseason to to work with these quarterbacks. He sure hasn't had much time with Jacoby Bursip, but um, you know, when you're paying a guy $10 million, when he is that guy that you brought in this offseason to kind of change that offense in a way, you know, yes, Jalen Waddle, but um it, it'll be nice to have Will Fuller out there for sure against the Raiders team that again, if you if you fall to the Raiders, I mean, this is one of those AFC teams that you could be battling a wild card spot with later down the road. And this game could be critical more critical than we even imagined in week three.
2: Yeah, Josh and So you kind of think about it and you think about how putrid that Dolphins offense was last week. And I just kind of want to throw out there too. It's important to keep in mind. uh, It's going to be a lot different for Brissett getting the first team reps all week. Um, I wouldn't say maybe a lot different. That might be an exaggeration on top of that. You think that the team's going to regress or uh, jump back up to the mean a little bit in terms of the drops they had last week in terms of the s- silly penalties of, of you know, uh, linemen downfield on passes, things like that. I mean, that's stuff the team I think is going to clean up. And I think that's going to help uh, Jacoby Reset's numbers look a lot less hollow than they did last week.
0: Yeah, and let's make sure we get Mike Gasicki more involved. I mean, we started to see a little bit last week. I mean, you talked about drops. He probably, maybe he had one or two of those. But, I mean, he's that difference maker. He opens things up for everyone else. So, um, I think we have a game plan, at least on the offensive side of the football. Please, God, let this offensive line be better. Please, hopefully this musical chairs, you know, finds a way to work itself out and they can run the football and let things open up. But, Jake, we're talking so much about the Dolphins offense we got to talk about the Raiders' defense. I mean, is that not the story of this game? Gus Bradley's defense has been insane this season. They brought in Yannick Nagoku, Denzel Perryman, Casey Hayward, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, and they have Max Crosby, who is leading the league with 19 pressures. Doku has nine. And, Jake, the biggest thing here that you've written down is they only blitzed on four dropbacks this season. That is less than 5% of the time and have got – pressure on the quarterback 29.6% of the time only the Steelers have a comparable rate of a 29.5 that came from a ringer article so uh Jake they're not even bringing the pressure I mean they're just lining up with four man fronts and they're getting to the quarterback and again when you have an offensive line that's already struggled I mean that is cause for concern and it's only Friday
2: yeah Josh you might think it's a little bit of a concern but it's important to keep in mind that Buffalo took advantage of Miami's ability to not pick up the blitz right um you think about teams that might not you know, blitz line, bring pressure. You think about the New England Patriots. So right away you think back to week one where that would be the blueprint of the game a little bit more. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to try to throw the ball against a defense like Las Vegas compared to New England, especially when you compare the two teams' secondaries. I think you can throw the ball on this Vegas team if you can maintain that, uh, you know, four man rush for long enough to get those RPOs, to get those maybe uh, different tree routes to really develop and, you know, keep the defense off balance and make the right read and six, seven yards. And my, my favorite saying for this year, continue just to kind of, you know, run through the air.
0: I love the run through the air. And I'll talk about that in my Jalen Waddle for the fantasy player of the week. But yes, you're right. I mean, there's not going to be as many stunts. You know, a lot of the things new England does be pre-snap. I mean, they're moving guys around. They're creating confusion there. Again, that is not what we're seeing from the Raiders early on, and maybe they decide, you know, we're going to throw that at the Dolphins. They already proved they can't stop that. We already proved we can get to the quarterback with a four-man rush. I mean, who knows what they're going to throw at them? But I think, you know, if they come, if their plan is to line them up straight up one-on-one and let Max Crosby and you know Nogoku, and some of those other guys. Beat their man. I mean, I think it might be a long day for Jake Brisket. And um, I hate that I'm bringing this up, but CK Parrot of Three Yards Per Carry, he has a breakdown of Reed Sinit, you know, the preseason Wonder Kid, you know, everything he did this offseason. So if you want to look at that, maybe get yourself oh, prepared for what we three. might have to look at we might be having Reed Sonette come in at, at some point this game. But again, that's doom and gloom. Sorry I even brought that up, but Jake, this this Raiders defense, that, that is the wrong way to go about saying this Raider defense is scary. And I don't know that I would have said that three weeks ago. I would not have been scared at all by the Raiders one bit.
2: Josh, I'm seeing Dimitri Barton tomorrow night. I'm playing like one of my childhood favorite games, and you're still finding ways to make me
0: feel absolutely
2: miserable. So, <laughs>
0: thank you. I, I keep joking that it's just been one of those weeks, man. I just feel down now. I had Christian McCaffrey in fantasy last night, and I um got sniped from Chuba Hubbard earlier in the week. So, Jake, I mean, it has been just that type of that type of week, and it's been that type of year. So, I'm sorry if I'm a little down. I, I'll get I'll get through it with a win this week.
2: Exactly. That is the perfect spin. Uh, Before we get into our fantasy guy and our predictions for the game, I think it's worth saying that uh, Brian Flores is saying that Tua is getting better every week. And the fact that the team did not put him on IR kind of hints at the fact that he's going to be ready to go in less than three weeks. Uh, Josh, I know we were originally talking two to four, maybe keep him out after the Bucks, but I think this team knows, I mean, if, Unless they trade for Deshaun, like n- whatever this team does, they need to win this season, right? Chris Greer's job on the line, if you have Deshaun Watson, if you have Tua, right? So you want these guys back as soon as possible because we know uh, your starting quarterback breaking news makes the team better. So that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, but Josh, you've been hitting at your fantasy guy a little bit here. So so why don't you break it out here and uh, crack a neck of knowledge on us?
0: Jake, and it goes back to, you know, me saying the Dolphins would almost be panicking if they made a us for Deshaun Watts. You know, that's not necessarily the case. Like you mentioned, this dude's 25 years old, has a lot of career left. So it's not a panic move from that sense. But I think we both agree, you know, Chris Greer has to prove that some of these players that he invests those high draft picks in are are worth that investment, that he's the right guy for the job. And to a lesser extent, you know, Brian Flores, I mean, there has to be some uncertainty. There has to be some things behind the scenes where, you know, things aren't quite right. And you just hope it all figures itself out because, um, I, I think we all feel pretty good with where we are with Brian Flores and this coaching staff. So, Jake, big season for the Miami Dolphins. But again, it's week three and we're sitting here. Uh, chicken Little, sky is falling. And I'm, I'm sorry because I, I have a large. About Reed
2: Sinet, baby. Yeah, talking
0: about Reed Sonette. I'm, I'm very sorry because I have a lot to do with that. One of the better things to talk about, Jake, I mentioned fantasy a little bit earlier, but I want to throw out my guy. You have one that is very good and I probably would have went with that. But um, I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle. He had 10 catches on 13 targets for 101 yards and one touchdown through two games. Yes. He had that muff punch, but I think what we're starting to see is the dolphins are utilizing him the right way. And I love that he needs to run. We need to continue to run the ball through the air a little more. Like you said, fabricate those touches for him throughout the game, but we need to take some more of those deep shots. Again, I think Jacoby Brissett has that arm. Yes, they're having. they have will fuller coming back. He should open some things up there, but I think Jalen Waddle, you know what we saw last week, I think it was eight targets, up from the, the five targets a week prior. I think we should see 10 targets this game. And again, I think if the Dolphins want to win this game, they got to get the ball to their playmakers hands. And in the way they're going to do that, Jake is by running the ball through the air. I, I'm going to use that as many times as I can, because I absolutely love that. Who's your fantasy guy this week, Jake?
2: It's kind of goes along the same thing that you have here, Josh. And when you think about someone like Jalen Waddle, you think about the uh, targets he got, I think his three targets that he didn't complete this year were strictly just bad drops. This guy is getting, you know, open. This guy is someone who's going to get those targets, so I really like that pick. I decided to go with Miles Gaskin because the Miami Dolphins had five different receivers that had at least three receptions last week. Obviously, last week isn't really the best indication of anything, uh, but I do think that when you have such a uh, diverse offense where a lot of different guys are going to be involved, I think the running back is the most consistent threat to maybe score that touchdown. Obviously, Gaskin hasn't scored on the year, but I think this is kind of one of those safer picks where you're going to get those targets. And then if they do finally start to run the ball you think on the road with your backup quarterback I think running the ball would be your uh, quarterback's best friend so I think Gaskin could be the guy Um, I do really like Waddle though just because that volume is there and not only that is he's going to catch five six seven balls guaranteed and then if you're betting on Jalen Waddle to make a play that sounds like a pretty great bet to make to me.
0: It does. And maybe, you know, we have to sit here and get down, you know, with, with fine tooth comb and say, oh, well, we're talking PPR here, you know, because he's going to get those catches or whatever. But I think we're both right, Jake. I think Miles Gaskin, this game, they need to run the football. I just, you know, part of me is a little bit hesitant to say Miles Gaskin because, you know, we'll see Malcolm Brown start the game or we'll see Salvin Ahmed take yep. some of those touches. But if the first two weeks are any indication, I mean, it does seem like Miles Gaskin is that starting running back for the Miami Dolphins. Jake, before we get into our predictions, I did want to ask you, and it's kind of a a rumor, or I guess he officially requested a trade, but Jamie Collins, the linebacker from the Detroit Lions, a veteran who has already had some familiarity with the Patriots, with Brian Flores' scheme, signed a three-year deal worth $30 million with the Lions back in 2020, is now requesting a trade. For a team, again, Jake, struggled a little bit against the run. We obviously thought Bernardrick McKinney, at least I thought Bernardrick McKinney was that guy. Would you have interest in Jamie Collins? Would you potentially move a draft pick to bring in a player who, again, is familiar with Brian Floor's system, but can also help against the run
2: and even in the pass game as well? Josh, I'm not necessarily sure because I think he's looked a little slow through two games. Uh, that Lions defense in general has looked hasn't looked the greatest at times. So, I mean, you can't knock it completely for that, but at 31 years old, I don't necessarily know if that fits with Brian Flores and the identity that defense is trying to be. I like the idea. I like the connection, but overall I just think that um, Brian Flores does things a little differently. And if this was like your run of the, like if it was Joe Phil, Adam Gase, Tony Sperano, whoever, I think this would make a lot of sense. I just think that Patriot Brian Flores way um, maybe isn't, about going back as much as moving forward and finding the 24 year old undrafted guy who can do 80% of what Jamie Collins can do or whatever it may be.
0: I love that. We now we just got to pray that they can find that, that young playmaker, right? (laughs) Uh, It does say he's 31 years old. I guess he had a hundred tackles before he signed that deal. And he watched his PFF grade plummet from a a 75.8, which was his highest mark in 2015 down to a 64.2. So, um, you know, I guess it I guess he is declining a little bit in his play. He's obviously older, so maybe it won't be the wisest move for the Miami Dolphins. But again, who knows the way Chris Greer, who knows the way Brian Flores are feeling right now. The the, the hotter that seat gets, who knows what panic move they might make. So I just had to throw that out there because Jamie... First round pick
2: for Saquon Barkley.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, (laughs) is his knee okay? Is he going to be able to come back? I mean... Those are all hypotheticals though.
2: (laughs) Josh, we're falling apart. (laughs) So the one thing we do every single week is we pick the dolphins to win the game and breaking news, we're going to do that again. But Josh, I thought this would be a fun spin on it is to look at what Vegas has for the point totals for each team and try to get the vision and really script that game plan that Vegas is predicting that Vegas and the Dolphins are going to have on Sunday so the projection here Josh is that the Raiders are going to score 24 points and the Dolphins are going to settle somewhere right around 19 points so how do you see that becoming the game script and really developing like that to me it really boils down to you see that those 24 points that looks like to me three touchdowns probably two broken plays and maybe Jacoby Brissett gives them a strong field position with a fumble or interception
0: Damn, dude, that's a lot of numbers, and I'm not good with numbers. I, I'm uh <laughs> sorry. I, I mean I think I think Vegas scores over 24 points, and I think the Dolphins score over 19 points. Is, is that part of this? Am I allowed? To, am I allowed to go that yeah, route? Absolutely. So so I mean, I think you know, we saw last week, even when the defense plays pretty damn well. I mean, they still gave up what 35 points and uh you know that game, hopefully we're not gonna have a, an encore presentation of that. So I'm gonna say we're gonna go with a 28-31 game. Kind of the same thing you're with, Jake think we're going to see that Jason Sanders last minute field goal. I think you say he's going to kick seven of them this week. So uh, I'm not really sure how the math adds up there, but remember seven field goals for Jason Sanders. I I just have to throw it out there because I mean, he could seriously get four or five, maybe six. And I mean, I I just want you to be on record as you had him scoring a bunch here. So Jake, I'm going to go 28 31. Again, we're never going to pick the dolphins to lose, but um, I guess back in, you know, when the schedule was first released, I probably felt a little bit better about the Raiders matchup than I do today. And that's, you know, not even because Tua low is not playing. That's just because, again, I severely underrated that offense and I thought the defense was going to be a joke. And the joke's on me, egg on my face once again.
2: Josh, I kind of see this developing like the Patriots game where I think the Dolphins hopefully are going to win it. I think something like 23 to 20. I think it's going to be a field goal fest where the Dolphins score a touchdown touchdown. Maybe a broken play, maybe Will Fuller comes out and that is really the difference maker. Otherwise, Josh, I see this team uh, scoring or scoring via five field goals and hitting a two-point conversion at the end to make it a three-point difference for the 23 to 20 win. I think it might be sloppy. I think it might be ugly. I think if Las Vegas scores, it's going to be off of turnovers. Maybe there's a play where Justin Coleman's looking back at the entire defense or uh, Jason McCourty, whoever it may be, where someone's just a little bit confused about uh, who was where and all of a sudden Henry Ruggs is in the end zone
0: yeah but I think you know a little bit of why I find solace is in the fact that you know Brian Flores is that defensive you know I don't want to say mastermind, but if anybody can pull the dolphins out of this rut, turn this thing around and, you know, go against the Raiders offense. So we're sitting here praising, you know, with all these weapons they have and make this game at least close for the offense. I think, you know, that would be the right recipe. So I have trust in Brian Flores, I have trust in the dolphins and Jake, uh, I joke that I would vote for the Raiders otherwise, but I'm I'm going dolphins. Let's, Let's get this win. Let's see Brian Flores and this team turn things around and let's put to rest all these silly rumors and all this stuff and, and ride or die with what we have.
2: Josh, it's week three. We can't be this miserable into the season. I it, it really does take the wind out of your sail when you lose your quarterback early in a game and then you know he's not playing the following week. There is nothing more demoralizing than that. But I mean, the football season lasts five months. I'm, I'm going to wait as long as I can before I get miserable just to kind of enjoy this. Enjoy the fact that my fantasy teams are still floating around by 500 before they start to dip uh, to four or five games under 500. So Josh, hopefully it- we're back here Monday talking about a nice game. Isn't it funny though? We're looking at our fantasy football teams and
0: you're right. You're saying you're one-on-one and I feel pretty damn good about that, but how comes with the dolphins, you know, who play even more games. We're sitting here one-on-one. Oh no, doom and gloom. I guess it's just why we love this team, why we're fans. And I I wish I could say we were going to change, but I know personally, I'll never change. I'm going to always be this way. Sorry for being chicken little, but that's just the way it's going to be.
2: Josh, everyone's that way because they're listening to the show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're sticking to it. We're doing three shows a week. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, iTunes, Spotify to know when a show is dropping. Usually we're going for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So stay tuned for that. Josh, I'm very excited. We're going to run in here, hopefully with a victory Monday to talk about, to rave about. Until then, like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. And more importantly, fins up.